Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome into Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, from the Draft Network. And a lot has happened since we last spoke on Thursday in the burgundy and gold world. Matt Ioannidis is now a Carolina Panther. Eric Flowers is gone, as is DeShazer Everett. The team designated Landon Collins as a post-June 1st cut, saving the team around $12 million in cap space. J.D. McKissick pulled the old okey-doke on the Buffalo Bills. And there's a brand new left guard in town in the form of Andrew Norwell. So there's a lot to discuss. I want to talk about the fit of Andrew Norwell up front, not just how he'll mesh with those interior guys, but with Carson Wentz and his impact in Scott Turner's offense and his relationship with Ron Rivera. I want to talk about three interior defensive linemen that Washington should and could target at the back end of this draft with Tim Settle and Ioannidis now gone. And a few guys that need to step up this fall, whether it's on the offensive side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball. But I wanted to start today talking about Andrew Norwell and what he brings to that front five, a veteran front five that will be tasked with protecting Carson Wentz and moving guys out of the way for Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. And before you ask yourself, yes, he does have Carolina ties, does have ties to Ron Rivera, worked under him for multiple seasons when he initially started his career. And he also has ties to another former head coach in Washington, in Jay Gruden, when Gruden was in Jacksonville as the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars just a few seasons ago. But when you look at this offensive line right now for Washington and a projected starting five from left to right of Charles Leno, Norwell, Chase Roulier, Wes Schweitzer, and Sam Cosme, what Norwell will be able to provide, and looking at the success that Carson Wentz had in Philadelphia when he had veterans in front of him and Jason Kelsey and Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson at right tackle and opposite protecting his blind side was veteran Jason Peters. And you look at that Washington front five right now, and you have a 30-year-old veteran in Charles Leno at left tackle. And you have a 30-year-old in Andrew Norwell. And approaching a 30, that 30-year-old milestone Chase Roulier and Wes Schweitzer and Sam Cosme over at right tackle, who's the baby of the group at just 23 years old. But that's not to say he's not going to have the potential success that some of these veterans could have along the Washington front five or just in football, because we saw how successful Sam Cosme was both moving vertical and displacing guys in the run game and the athleticism that he touts in his lower half to stymie any and all edge rushers on the outside when he's healthy. But for Norwell and what he'll be able to offer as a mauling interior guy, especially in the run game and having that presence opposite when you have Norwell at left guard and Wes Schweitzer at right guard, two guys that you could probably look at the Game of Thrones cast right now, take those two out and plug them right in to the Washington line. That's exactly the type of guys that they look like. And it reminds me a little bit of just, if you were to look up offensive linemen in the dictionary, Pictures of Andrew Norwell and Wes Schweitzer are going to pop up for you. They got the grizzly beard. They look like they just want to take your will and let you know about it. And I think when you're looking back to the history of this franchise and you have the Hogs and Washington's 
had some successful offensive linemen over the years. Brandon Sheriff was excellent. Trent Williams was excellent. But even farther back offensive linemen to the Derek Dockery days and John Jansen. And those were excellent players along the front five that Washington has had. And a veteran unit that is primed to have some success this year in front of Carson Wentz. You add a guy like Norwell when it was initially looked upon as, oh man, Eric Flowers is gone. Brandon Sheriff is gone. What are we going to do with guard? Is that the plan of getting a guy like Kenyon Green, like I talked about last podcast, or drafting a Tyler Linderbaum, sliding him to guard beside Chase Roulier? Norwell's going to be able to do so many different things along that offensive line with so many snaps under his belt with a guy like Leno beside him who's been around the league before and a guy to his right in Chase Roulier who when healthy is a top five center in football and a guy next to him in Wes Schweitzer who wants to take your lunch and eat it in front of you and then you have Sam Cosme at right tackle who's kind of the youth infused guy on the right side very rarely will you have a quarterback in this league and one that you acquired in Carson Wentz wanted to come into an offensive line with shuffling parts in the offseason. Now it'd be different if you had younger guys coming in with Sam Cosby at right tackle or Rashawn Slater or a Jedrick Wills or Tristan Wirfs or Quentin Nelson. Those are kind of the outlying guys that came into this league, whether it's their first year, second year. And now we've seen Quentin Nelson become, if not the best offensive lineman in football, one of the top three, whether it's an interior guy or an outside tackle, you have veterans in front of Wentz. And I think if you want to provide that immediate comfortability for him, instead of coming in with a younger center or drafting a guy like a potential, like a Charles Cross out of Mississippi State or a Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa at 11th overall before they re-signed Leno, and you bring in a guy like Wentz sometimes, and if whether that was the case when they tried to acquire Matthew Stafford or Russell Wilson or whomever, the names go on and on. But it matters for quarterbacks and the destinations that they want to go to, especially if you're a right-handed quarterback, who my left tackle is. Am I going to be on my face consistently? And when you look back even to Carson Wentz in week one of the COVID year in 2020 and Chase Young's first game in the Burgundy and Gold, and you saw the success that Washington's front four had and Carson Wentz was consistently on his keister for 55 of the 60 minutes of the game, seemingly. And Washington had six, seven, eight sacks. And you looked at it as like, wow, Washington's front four is going to be completely elite. But then you look on the other side of it with Carson Wentz, and we can kind of understand now, looking at this veteran offensive line that Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew have put together, it's a unit where you can feel comfortable if you're Wentz to either drop back in the pocket and sling it around 35 or 40 times, or handing it off to guys like Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick if they want to tote the rock 25, 30 times a game and take that pressure off of Wentz so he doesn't have to feel like every throw is a make-or-break throw and trying to play this hero ball and stretching it down the field and you're consistently in situations of third and long because we've seen so many times before this offense on first down, you go backwards. You lose two or three yards. On second down, it's an incomplete pass and before you know it, it's third and 12 and third and 13 inside your own 15-yard line and you're playing the field position game before the game really even gets started. So having that mix up front of youth on the right side, but not that old, right? I don't want to be acting like these guys are a bunch of gray beards on the front five, 
but you have the experience and guys that have been there before, it truly matters for Carson Wentz and the overall scope of this offense when you add in a guy like Norwell and you project the ability of Wes Schweitzer stepping in for Brandon Sheriff on the other side. Veteran leadership matters, whether it's in the locker room or in between the hashes. And you add a guy like Wentz, you add a guy like Norwell, two guys that have been around the block a while, and Charles Leno is left tackle. Carson Wentz is coming here knowing that there's going to be a guy out there that's doing his darndest to keep me clean and allow me to scan downfield and process and look from read one to read two to read three. And we saw that often with Heineke where sometimes you get happy feet and sure, he was fun creating outside of the pocket or diving towards the pylon seemingly every time in the red zone. But being able to have a quarterback that can sit back there comfortably with the big frame and big arm that Carson Wentz will present whether he's throwing it 40 yards downfield to Terry McLaurin on a nine route or he's hitting Curtis Samuel on a crosser or he's hitting De'Ami Brown on a post over the back of the end zone or he's just dumping it off to J.D. McKissick and allowing him to create, you know, 30, 35 yard chunk play. And just like Washington had last fall and in years prior when they've had a top 10 unit in the NFL, there's no reason to believe if they can't stay healthy, that they can't replicate some of the success that Washington has had from their front fives in years prior. So talking about the offensive line, I now want to shuffle over to the defensive line. And as we know, if you want to build a championship roster, a Super Bowl roster, everything starts in the trenches, whether you're on offense, whether you're on defense. And just last year, we entered the fall with Deron Payne and John Allen as the starters, fresh off of a contract extension. And guys like Tim Settle and Matt Ioannidis working in rotationally or plugging in as starters when John Allen or Deron Payne need a breather. Settle and Ioannidis aren't on the roster anymore. And the guys behind Deron Payne and John Allen right now are David Bada, who is an international pathway program player, and Tyler Clark, a UDFA who spent the last year at Kansas City and is a product of the University of Georgia. But neither guy has a snap of NFL experience under their belt. And granted, Bada was active for three games last fall, but that's not exactly having Tim Settle and Ioannidis if you're paying Allen to look behind you and say, you know, I can come off for a few plays, whether it was Ioannidis working in as a rotational DPR, designated pass rusher on third down and be able to push the pocket, or similarly to a guy like Tim Settle, who is just 24 years old, and I talked about it last podcast to where he deserved more snaps working over to Ron Payne and his ability to push the pocket and then stack and shed in the run game and just create these mass of bodies in the interior, you don't have that anymore. And when you look towards the draft, and granted Washington now has just a few less picks when they had started out with six before they made the trade for Carson Wentz, a few guys I want to kind of mention and talk about today, guys that are on day three that Washington could target. I want to start with a guy from Stanford in the name of Thomas Booker, who was a standout at the East-West Shrine Bowl in Vegas, and a guy that was able to play up and down the defensive line at Stanford this past year, whether he was aligned as a one-tech and a three-tech. And for those out there that are not understanding what I'm saying when I'm talking about a one and a three-tech, a one-technique in a four-three front is the defensive lineman that lines up to either the right or left shoulder of the center. That's your one tech. And your three tech is the guy that lines up to either the left shoulder of the guard or the right shoulder of the guard. And seeing what he did in Vegas 
and projecting him into this Washington defense, he can immediately earn rotational snaps, whether he's coming in as a starter and Washington even wants to throw in some bare front looks, which is what Green Bay likes to do when they have five down defensive linemen and you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young anchoring the outside and you place a guy like John Allen and Deron Payne and a Thomas Booker right in the interior over the three interior guys in the center, left guard, and right guard. His power and his ability to generate that force from stemming from his strong lower half, the kid's got tree trunks for legs, and powerful, forceful hands. It's consistently being able to push the pocket and then just be able to take on guards, a 320, 325-pound guard, trying to move him vertically and displace him in the run game. Being able to stick your cleats in the ground and move that guy to the side and wrangle guys down in your gaps. And as a day three guy and looking at his film this year and what he was able to do for Stanford, by no means was he comparable to a Solomon Thomas and what he was able to do at Stanford, kind of moving up and down the defensive line and what he was able to do in, in Las Vegas this year with a bounce back year for the Raiders. But Thomas Booker, as a day three guy, you're not going to get much more value for a guy that's position versatile and able to come in and learn from guys like Payne and Allen and that defensive line with Chase Young and Montez Sweat, who a guy that can slide up and down the line and do a lot of different things for you from day one. Another name I wanted to look at, and one of my favorite film studies in this draft class, because I am the biggest supporter of scouting players and not helmets. And Noah Ellis, a D-tackle out of Idaho. Shout out to the Idaho Vandals for any of you alums or any of you fans of the Vandals that took your time to watch their football games on Saturday this fall. You know exactly who I'm talking about. He may fit best in an odd front as a 3-4 zero-tech defensive tackle, whether he's lining up you know, as a zero-tech right in front of the center, nose-to-nose. But if you look at a guy like Tim Settle, and you compare him to Ellis, to where Settle came out of Virginia Tech hovering around 335, 345 pounds, and Ellis is around 350 right now, is expected to lose weight to come into the NFL from a stamina standpoint, just an ability to stay on the field. But this is also a Shrine Bowl guy, and if you want somebody that's going to be able to take on two blockers at all times, but also have the necessary ability to run from hash to hash and chase down blockers and also be able to push the pocket. Noah Ellis is a very, very sneaky name in the back end of this draft, just considering what Tim Settle was able to do and Matt Ioannidis was able to do. Now, Ellis would be required to lose some weight if he was playing the one-tech or three-tech for Washington. But if you're going to try to find ways, if you're Ron Rivera and your defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, and you're trying to find ways to create space for Chase Young on the outside and Montez Sweat on the outside, and you're going to be blitzing Jamin Davis through A and B gaps, Noah Ellis could be the perfect guy to eat up those two blockers. And, you know, good luck with blocking Chase and Montez and John Allen one-on-one on the interior and pick up a guy with Jamin Davis with that speed coming through the gap. So you want a guy that's going to plug space has sneaky athleticism. I like to think of him as a dancing bear. He's built like a small townhouse. He's a big kid. Not going to be hard to find him on film. If you turn on Idaho games, advise you do. Check him out. Let me know what you guys think about him. The kid's a stud. He's going to be an immediate impact guy at the next level. I don't think he comes in has a three down roll, but if you're asking a guy to plug gaps, push the pocket a little bit, clog up the A and B gaps, and ask him to eat up bodies, and eat up space within the interior line. 
there's not many guys in this draft that will be able to do that like Noah Ellis can. And a lot of the attention is drawn to Jordan Davis from Georgia because he's just so big. But if you look into day two and even into day three, guys like Travis Jones from UConn, John Ridgeway from Arkansas, Marquand McCall from Kentucky, or Neil Farrell from LSU. And then you have a guy like Noah Ellis who I've been able to watch multiple times on film this fall and looking at his ability to play both zero tech and a 3-4 defense and a 1 or 3 tech and a 4-3 defense, fresh legs are needed behind Payne and Allen. If you ask Noah Ellis immediately to come in and push the pocket on third down and clog gaps, he could be your guy as a, as a steal in the sixth or seventh round. And the final name I want to focus on is a guy that hasn't received much attention despite him being a senior bowl guy, and seeing him live in Mobile is Otito Ogbania from UCLA. And the first impression I got of this guy is, holy smokes, this guy's got some power. And the first rep I saw of the kid is in one-on-ones in Mobile, pushing a lineman back five yards and into the goalpost. And I think that would draw attention from anybody, especially when you're looking at the one-on-one situations and then the type of guys that were down in Mobile both on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side. And if you want a guy that has just absolute brute strength and a guy that has a lot of potential to come in and learn from the front four that I've aforementioned, Otito Ogbania, who right now, watching him live, watching him consistently push guys two, three, four yards back, ability to rip and dip. He has excellent hands. He's still learning the finer parts of being an impactful defensive lineman. He went to Indianapolis. He weighed in around 325 pounds. The ideal weight, if he was able to lose maybe five pounds or just kind of can continue to build up that muscle and working within an NFL strength program will continue to help him. He was at the combine and he lifted 225 pounds, 29 times. You can kind of see the power that he has just in his upper half. And then you turn on the film and you see his his strong lower half. And then there's the flashes that he had against, you know, in one-on-ones. He created consistent uh, chaos in the backfield. And then teams would try to double him. He'd be able to anchor. He wasn't getting kind of washed out of the play. Um, he was just a, a joy to watch in Mobile and on film this fall. So with that... Wanted to transition to our final topic of the pod, and that is a few guys that I have circled and bolded and highlighted as guys that I'm expecting a lot out of this fall. And with Landon Collins gone, DeShazer Everett gone, snaps are going to be had in that secondary. And I think it's safe to say that week one, Washington will align Cam Curl and Bobby McCain next to each other as you know, throwing out two safety looks. Um, But with what Landon Collins was able to do, and sure, he had success at the back end of the year, especially working in the box and near the line of scrimmage, which is not just what, you know, Washington coaches called for for a while, but everyone that watches Washington football over the last year or so was wanting Landon Collins to do. However, looking at Khalid Hudson and this year, a guy that they drafted out of Michigan just a few years ago, and supremely athletic guy that has the ability to do a lot. And when I try to compare him to Landon Collins, by no means was he the same guy coming out of school that Landon Collins was out of Alabama. But you look at his athletic frame and the ability to come to the line of scrimmage and take on running backs, take on tight ends in coverage, or fill 
in the run and push aside blockers. If they got, he's got a 310-pound guard coming his way, is he going to have to just go low or is he going to be able to kind of take on that blocker, throw him to the side, and make the tackle? Or drop back and if they, you know, Jack Del Rio wants to run some three safety looks and do some different things in the back end, projecting Kaleek Hudson as not just a special teams guy, I think he provides excellent value there for a guy that is kind of a rocked up frame and he has that athletic ability. If you look at what Washington did successful this year near the line of scrimmage with Landon Collins, and you look at the skill set of Hudson, there are a lot of similarities to make, and someone's going to have to fill that role this year. And another name that I want to also look at is a draft pick last year that Washington made in Derek Forrest out of Cincinnati. And first off, I want to give a shout out to the Cincinnati football program for consistently pumping out some secondary talent, both last year and this year. Obviously, you saw Gardner. They have Kobe Bryant, Brian Cook, all coming out of that secondary this year. But a guy like Derek Forrest last fall, who really just worked on special teams, had just 26 defensive snaps in eight games last fall compared to over 100 special team snaps. He's going to be a guy alongside Hudson and that may be a training camp battle that we need to watch and we'll get into it more as the summer creeps up on us. But those are two guys you're looking at their athletic ability and especially with Hudson and playing that role that Dax Hill did a little bit for them and that Michigan defense this fall was ability to go out and cover guys and man or come up near the line of scrimmage and fill in the run or blitz and then drop and cover guys at the back end of that defense as the final, you know, that ceiling defender. And then Derek Forrest kind of very similarly offering that special teams value that they both do. But then you have a guy that in Forrest who's going to let you know, you know, when he's coming downhill and you're going to hear his pads pop and he's going to make an impact on the back end of that defense as an identity, as a safety. And I think when you look at Washington and over their years of history of guys where at the safety position, they've consistently had those back-end defenders where you know they're going to come downhill and let you know about it if you're trying to work over the middle in Sean Taylor and the guys like DJ Swearinger or Laron Landry or when they drafted Bakari Rambo out of Georgia. All those type of guys, when you look at Hudson and you look at Forrest and potentially filling that Buffalo nickel role, rotating in at safety, rotating in at the second level, coming up near the line of scrimmage, having that impact both on defense and on special teams are two guys that I think could really get into a training camp battle come the summer months. And that's exactly what you want within a secondary that needs improvement and a defense where just a few years ago, they were super young. It was Allen and Payne and Young and Sweat. These guys were super, super young. But now you have additions like William Jackson, the secondary, who's been around the league a while. Jamin Davis is moving into his second year. Cole Holcomb has been in the league for a little bit now, as has Payne and Allen and Young and Sweat. Young's coming into his third season already. can't believe it's been that fast, and there's a lot of things expected out of both Young and Sweat this fall that I'm excited to see. But the younger guys on the back end in Cam Curl, and you have Hudson, and you have a guy like Derek Forrest, or an opportunity right now presents itself with Landon Collins gone, DeShazer Everett gone. You have that veteran presence in Bobby McCain working alongside Cam Curl, but the snaps are to be had, and the only way for this defense to continue to get better is to develop its own, and guys like Derek Forrest and Cleek Hudson personally expecting a lot of them in 2022. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this episode of 
commanding the huddle. As always, a like, share, comment, subscribe is much appreciated. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. And then on social media, you could find me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. As always, thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you next time on Commanding the Huddle. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.